Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of suffering, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was talking about Adam and Eve, and I was explaining that there are many people who believe that Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree in the Garden of Eden because he wanted them to. There are many people who believe that, and I understand that there are very few people who would actually admit that. Many people would say that he did not want them to do that, but they did it anyway. But everything else that happens in life happens because he wants it to happen, and for no other reason other than that, just simply because he is the one who is in control, he is the one who is sovereign, and nobody has any ability to exercise any choice on their own behalf, that he is the one who orchestrates everything, that there is no maverick molecule in the universe, for example. But I do not share in that belief. I believe that they ate from the wrong tree because they wanted to eat from that tree. That's why they did that. He is not the one who is responsible for the fall of humanity. They were the ones who were responsible. you got to get this straight. you got to understand that you are also responsible for your own sins. And this is the place that you need to start. You need to start by acknowledging that the angels were responsible for their sins. And Adam and Eve were responsible for their sins. And you also are responsible for your sins. And I understand that can be very frightening, but there is a reason for that. There is a reason why he has put you in a situation so that you will be responsible for your own sins. One of the reasons is so that he can show you that you have a need for mercy, that you have a need for forgiveness so that you can receive his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, so that you can be the recipient of the gospel. It will actually have some meaning to you. And through that, you can grow to know him in the context of the love that he has for you. And so this is what I was presenting in the previous program. I was explaining that it is very important to acknowledge that Adam and Eve had the option to choose to do that which was good or to do that which was evil in the garden, and they chose to eat from the wrong tree. That the situation was not that the devil made Eve do it, but that Eve, Eve decided to do it. The situation was not that God caused Adam and Eve to eat from that tree. They chose to do that. Now, there's something that I want you to understand. I want you to consider with regards to this circumstance. And that is that he trusted Adam and Eve with what he gave them in the garden. I want you to see that he trusted them. He placed some trust in his creation. He gave them the garden, and he told them that he wanted them to manage it. He told them that he wanted them to take care of it, to tend it, to enjoy it as well. And he wanted them to eat from the trees and whatever else that he was growing there. He put some trust in them when he gave them responsibility in the garden. 
And when he provided a tree that he did not want them to eat from, he placed some trust in them by giving them the opportunity to violate his commandment. So I want you to see that he placed some trust in his creation and he allowed them to function within the boundaries of that trust or to violate that trust by going outside of those boundaries. And, of course, they violated his trust. Now, what does this say about God? Did he make a bad judgment call? Is that what he did? Was there something wrong with the Lord that he would dare put trust into his creation? I mean, wouldn't he have known that they would have violated his law? Well, I believe I can say with confidence that he knew that they would violate the law. If there was any uncertainty at all, I have confidence that eventually someone who was born from Adam and Eve would have violated that law. I believe I can say that with confidence, that eventually it would have happened. But my point in saying this is for you to see that he placed trust in his creation. And I think it's important for you to see that because I think you need to ask the question as to whether or not you are going to trust your God when it comes to him putting trust in someone else. That's an important issue. Are you going to trust a God who made a bad decision? I mean, are you going to do that? If he knew that they were going to fall, and yet he created them, and he put them in the Garden of Eden, and they violated the commandment, and because of that, people have experienced great suffering ever since then, how can you really trust a God like that? I mean, shouldn't he have been a little bit more discerning concerning this matter? Shouldn't he have known better? Why would he have done that? Shouldn't he have known? Wouldn't he have known? I mean, if he's a God, you would expect him to know. So how can you trust a God... Who would make a bad decision? How can you trust him? How can you trust him with your life? How can you trust him to intervene in the right way in your life when he seems to allow people the opportunity to choose to do that which is evil and they do it? How can you really trust your God? I personally believe that this is a very important question. And that is, how much do you really trust him? How do you really define your ability or your capacity or a reason for trusting your God, especially when you see something like this. I mean, think about this for just a moment, please, and consider how can you trust a God who did something that apparently caused failure, caused suffering in people's lives? How can you trust him with your own life, knowing that he failed in that way? What happens if he fails in your life as well? I think it's an important thing to really consider. Now, this is my way of looking at it. The way that I look at it is to say that, yes, he puts trust in people by giving them the ability to do that which is evil or to do that which is good. And he has given me the ability to do that as well. That in the midst of the situation that he has given everyone the ability to make choices about their own lives. He has given me the ability to make choices in my own life as well. In other words, he hasn't made everyone a bunch of robots except for me, but he's given this opportunity for everyone. And I am very thankful that he has created me in such a way that he is willing to trust me with his creation, knowing that I will commit sin. And in the midst of that, He has provided me with redemption, and he has provided me with opportunities to grow to know him in a personal way. And so I am very thankful 
that he has given me boundaries and that he has put a lot of trust in me, even though I have violated that myself. And so when I consider it from that point of view, I can appreciate the fact that he gives everyone that option. He gives everyone that ability so that they also may turn to him. But the fact is, is that most people will not. And I will suffer because of that. Am I willing to live with the suffering that I'm going to experience because of that? Am I willing to experience that suffering if the benefit is being able to know my God in the way that I do? Yes, I have to say that I find that to be acceptable. I personally do, and I'm thankful for that. There is nothing that this world can do to me. There is nothing that anyone could ever do to me that would make me regret the opportunity to at least know my God. Now, I have experienced a lot of suffering and a lot of pain in my life, and I've been the victim of a lot of things. And there are a lot of things that I have not experienced in terms of suffering and pain. And I could write a list, of course, of those things that I have not experienced. But I want you to know that I believe I can say with conviction that I would be willing to experience those things if it means I can know my God as I do now. I personally believe that it is worth the cost, that the benefit is well worth it. Now, having said that, I want you to know that there was a time in my life where I could not have said that. And so if you can't say that, don't feel guilty. But I do believe that if you will continue to pursue him, if you will continue to search for his face, to know him for who he is, that one day you will. One day you will be able to say with conviction that you would be willing to take whatever pain and suffering this world has to offer if you can only have the chance, if you could only have the opportunity to know your God for who he is. And so that's how I look at the sufferings of the world. You know, there are many people who try to justify the sufferings in other ways. They try to say things like, things happen for a reason. There is a reason for this. And they're asking questions like that. They're asking, what is the reason for this suffering that I'm experiencing? What is the reason for it? Well, there may be no reason for it. There may be no reason except for the reason that somebody decided to do something that was evil. In other words, there's not a reason for everything that happens in the sense that there is some divine purpose. There is not a divine purpose for all the suffering in life. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that there is a reason why things happen. In other words, I don't think that everything happens for a reason, but I do believe that there is a reason why things happen. To believe that things happen for a reason is to believe that our God is causing this pain and suffering in the world. I don't believe that. I believe that there is a reason why things happen, and that reason is because people are choosing to do things that are evil. Now, for us to consider that, then we have to place responsibility where it belongs. And responsibility belongs in the individual. It belongs with the individual who commits sin. Now, from a greater perspective, from a greater point of view, yes, these things are happening for a reason. From a greater perspective, that is true. From a macro perspective, that is true. But from a micro perspective, I don't believe that that is true. I do believe that from a micro perspective, everyone is still making choices about what they're going to do 
in their own lives for their own reasons, and that he has given people the ability to do that within the boundaries of their life. But from a macro point of view, the reason why everything is happening here at all is so that people can know their God, so that people can know him for who he is. That is the macro point of view. And from that point of view, you could say that everything happens for a reason. But from a micro point of view, I do not believe that he micromanages everything. I believe that in that context, there is a reason why things happen. And in most cases, it's only because people have chosen to do one thing or another. Now, consider that for just a moment. When you have a huge population living on planet Earth at any given time, and the population is composed of a lot of individual people who are all doing things that they want to do. They are all doing their own thing. They're all making choices about how they want to live, about what they want to believe or what they don't want to believe or how they don't want to live. Everybody's making their own decisions concerning how they're going to live their lives. In the midst of that, our God is functioning. In the midst of that, he is participating. He is living in our lives. He is living in the world that he created. He is functioning. He is speaking to people. He is intervening on occasion. On other occasions, he is not. I believe that he is an active participant in the lives of all the people who are living here. I really believe that. And as an active participant in our lives, as an active participant, there appears to be one fundamental principle that I believe he operates under. And that is that when he functions, when he lives his life in the midst of us living our lives, he does not interfere with the choices that people make. That's one fundamental principle that I believe is clear. That he does not interfere with the will of a person. Now, of course, there are some exceptions to that. I understand that. And how he makes decisions concerning when an exception to that is going to occur, I don't know. But I can say with a high degree of confidence that for the most part, he seems to function in such a way that he does not interfere with the will of other people. Now, what this means is, is that he has allowed people to choose to do that which is good or to choose to do that which is evil. And unfortunately, yes, many people, most people are going to choose to do that which is evil. I understand that, and I've already said an awful lot about that. My point in bringing this up again, though, is to say that by allowing people to function in this way and by not interfering with the will of man, by not doing that, he has an opportunity to have a relationship with people. You see, if you don't have the freedom to have a relationship with him or not to have a relationship with him, without that freedom, then you don't really have a relationship. You don't really have the kind of relationship that really means something, that really has value. And I wanted to mention this in this context, that this is one of the ways that we can describe the overall benefit that he gets to experience and that we get to experience. If he is not going to interfere with the will of man, 
Yes, there are people who are going to commit great evil. But you, on the other hand, you have an opportunity, as well as those other people, they have the opportunity as well. But I wanted to make the comparison between those who do not want to know him and those who do, because it's unlikely that a person is listening to this unless they have an interest in knowing the Lord. If you want to know the Lord, if you want to really have the option, if you want to have the freedom of experiencing a real personal interactive relationship with him, then you have to understand that he also has to provide people with an opportunity not to know him. And so I wanted to mention that again in a different context, and that is that you not only have the opportunity to know him, but you have the opportunity to have a relationship with him as well. And so the more thought that you give to this, the more prayer that you give to this, I personally believe that you can acknowledge in a greater way the reality of what's happening and that you can be thankful Not for the sufferings, but you can be thankful for the life that you have. You can be thankful for the God that you have. And you can be thankful that he has structured things in the way that he has so that he can accomplish a work, a work that he could have accomplished in no other way. You know, when I consider the fact that he intervenes at times and there are times when he does not intervene, when I consider the fact that he has provided an opportunity for me to have a personal relationship with him. When I consider the overall perspective that things are happening for a reason, and yet in other circumstances there is just simply a reason why things happen, when I consider all of this, I can really gain a greater appreciation for what it means to say that he is God and that I am not. It really provides me with a wonderful opportunity to really see that. You know, when it comes to the idea that he trusted Adam and Eve, and how is it possible that we could trust a God who trusted them and yet they violated his trust? When we look at him in that context and realize that one of the issues that we have is being able to trust the Lord, how can we trust him when he provides people the freedom to do evil? You know, when I really consider these issues in totality, what really becomes clear to me is that he is God and that I really do have to trust him concerning these issues, and that he really is trustworthy. He is trustworthy even to allow him, to allow others to commit evil. He is still trustworthy because of what he has been able to accomplish with that, because of the fact that I can know him in a way that I could have never known him otherwise. It builds an opportunity for me to truly trust him even when I consider the circumstances that the vast majority of people have violated his trust in trusting them with the world that he has given them, I can trust him in a greater way because of what I have seen him do with the decisions that other people have made. Because of what I have seen him accomplish, I know that I can trust him. I know that I can believe in him. I know that even though there are things that I do not understand, even though there are things that I just have no idea about, I have no discernment concerning, I can still believe in him. I can still trust in him. Now, could Adam and Eve have said that? If I was there in the garden, could I have said, you know, there is something I don't see, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust him anyway. Could I have really said that without going through what I have gone through? 
if I was there in the garden and the serpent came to me and said, hey, God is lying to you. He's not being honest with you. How would I know? How would I be able to really believe my God even in the midst of something like that, in the midst of a good argument? You know, I mean, he named the tree the knowledge of good and evil, and he just doesn't want you to know what is good and evil because he knows that things could be better for you if you did. I mean, doesn't he want you to know everything? Doesn't he want you to know things? Doesn't he want you to be better? Doesn't he want you to improve? I can hear him saying something like that to me, and I could believe that. How could I defend myself against a lie like that? How could I have done that? I would have no foundation to work from. I would have no basis to work from. I would not really know my God well enough to be able to say, I'm sorry, but I am not going to believe this well-crafted argument. Even though it makes perfect sense, I'm still not going to believe it. I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to do that, even though you've brought a reasonable case before me concerning it. Even though everything makes sense, even though everything seems to be perfect, I'm not going to trust in that. I'm going to trust my God with the things that I do not know instead of the things that I do know. That's hard to do. How can you trust him with the things that you do not know when you have an alternative that you can trust in the things that you can know? I don't believe that I could have defended myself in the Garden of Eden, and I probably would have eaten from the wrong tree. And so if it would have taken between Adam and Eve until me today to eat from that tree, I probably would do it, because I would not have known my God as I know him now, outside of the circumstances that I have, outside of the sufferings, outside of the world that I'm a part of, outside of the evil, outside of the good, outside of the interaction that I have with my God, outside of the relationship that I have with him, I can now trust him in a way that I could have never trusted him if I started out in the Garden of Eden. I can believe in him in a way that I could not have believed in him if I was in the Garden of Eden. Now, this is one of those macro issues. It's one of the greater issues. And that is that we can now trust our God. We can now believe in him. You know, the fall was because of this. The fall was because they did not believe their God. The relationship that we can now have with him allows us to truly believe in him. We really have the privilege and the opportunity to experience that. And so I conclude that this is well worth it, that this is a reason. This is a reason why we are here. This is a reason for the suffering. This is a reason for the situation at hand. The reason has to do with the fact that our God is able to show us and to provide us with an opportunity and the privilege of being able to trust him, to believe in him, that this is the benefit to the cost. He is not responsible for the cost. He is not responsible for the suffering. But he is responsible for the benefit. And for that, I am thankful. And so this is what I want you to consider. This is what I really want you to think about. And that is that it is okay not to know everything. 
it is okay not to have a reason as to why things have happened in your life or why things are about to happen in your life. It is okay. It is okay to live your life with this uncertainty if you will embrace the fact that you can believe in your God and that you can trust in him. That even though there is suffering in the world, you can still believe in him, you can still trust in him, and know that there is a greater purpose for being here at all, and that it has nothing to do with whether you are suffering or not suffering, that it has nothing to do with those issues. It has to do with whether or not you are going to know your God for who he is. And so don't be preoccupied with the sufferings of life. And don't let these things prevent you from trusting him for who he is. Embrace these sufferings, knowing that he can find a way to make use of them. Embrace them as opportunities that he can use. But this is my point, and that is that it has nothing to do with these sufferings. It has nothing to do with these circumstances. The real issues have to do with, are you going to believe in him and trust in him, regardless of whether there will ever be any compensation, regardless of anything? Will you still believe him? Will you still trust in him for who he is? And I don't mean this in the sense that you'll trust that he will intervene, because maybe he won't. You know, the Lord experiences pain himself. I really believe this, that he doesn't like to see the suffering. If you tell him, Lord, I hate this, I'm sure he would say, you think you hate it? I hate it even more than you can possibly imagine. I believe that that's the kind of attitude he has. I believe that he would say very directly that he just hates the sin. He hates the suffering that you're experiencing. But he has to allow for it because there is something greater that he wants. And that he believes that the cost is worth the benefit. And he wants you to embrace that also. And be thankful in the midst of it. You know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to have a relationship with somebody when you don't have a choice in terms of having a relationship with that person or not. It doesn't mean a whole lot, but it does mean a lot when you consider that your God has given everyone the option to choose if they want to acknowledge his existence or not. He has given everyone the ability to choose if they want to know him or if they don't want to know him. And this is worth all of the sufferings in the world so that some can have a true relationship with their God. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you